Murder on the Music Scene has rebranded. We are now going by the name Mysterious-ish. Join us for Season 2 of Mysterious-ish, where we will be discussing conspiracy theories such as time travel and aliens. Season 2 premieres March 22nd with two new episodes. Murder on the Music Scene contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. to Murder on the Music Scene, the podcast where a music educator and a music enthusiast discuss the deaths of musicians and the mysteries surrounding them. I forgot our intro. (laughs) I'm Kaylin. I'm Erica. And today we are going to be discussing the death (laughs) of Kaylin and Erica because apparently we're going to fucking die in my basement. It's fine. Everything is fine. No, but for real, we're gonna... <laughs> furnace. That was the furnace. <laughs> Erica, you're gonna hear this for the third time. I'm so sorry. Okay. Last night, for the listeners who are so confused as to why I am so fucking jumpy, last night, I was sitting on my couch, and I heard a thump, and I made Dylan come all the way downstairs to investigate said thump. Because I was scared that someone was trying to break into my house and murder me because I listened to too much true crime. So then today, I'm at home by myself waiting for Erica to show up at my house so that we can record. And I'm getting my stuff rounded up. I'm standing in the living room getting my stuff rounded up so that I could actually, you know, be prepared for when she got here. Well, that didn't happen because I'm standing there and all of a sudden I hear another thump. I freaked out, but I did the stupid white girl thing and I, like, investigated. So... I stood there and I was like looking out my kitchen window waiting to see if Erica had gotten here and like was walking through the garage to like come in and nobody was there. So I messaged her and I was like, please, dear God, tell me that was you that I heard. And it wasn't. So then I lock my door, turn on my security system and call my husband. And as I'm waiting for the call to go through, I hear another thump at the front of my house. Dylan finally answers the phone and I'm like, where the actual fuck are you? Someone is going to murder me. And I just started sobbing. I was terrified. So that's why I'm so jumpy today. So every time I scream when my furnace kicks on or off, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll probably edit most of it out, but it's okay. It's fine. I'm not going to edit that one out because it was a segue into my story. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we should probably, I, you know, didn't say who we were actually discussing. No, it's just us. We are are the episode. Yes, exactly. This is just going to be us bantering the whole time. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our research yesterday, all for naught. Fuck it. You know what? Fine. Listeners, hello, are you still there? (laughs) They're like, nah. I tuned out like ten minutes ago. Anyways, so... On a real note, we are discussing the death of Scott Weiland today, who was the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots, and I have a, an origin story for that name, and also oh. the evolution of that name, because they were not not originally Stone Temple Pilots. Oh. 
the the initials remained STP, but it did not stand for Stone Temple Pilots. And I assume that you're going to be as uncomfortable as I will was when I tell you. So let's do this. All right. So Scott Richard Klein was born on August 27th, 1967, which makes him a Scorpio. And Scorpios are the worst. I'm not sorry about it. Anyways, he was born in San Jose, California to Sharon and Kent Klein. There's not a ton on Scott's early life, like I was telling you earlier. So it's going to seem like I just missed a bunch, but I like genuinely couldn't find anything. So here we go. When Scott was five years old, his parents divorced and he moved in with his mother and stepfather to Ohio. Um, he took it where he took his stepfather's last name, which was Wyland. Uh, some sources said he moved to Chagrin Falls, Ohio. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I don't know. Or some others said that he moved to Bainbridge Township, Ohio. I don't know if they're like the same county, but everywhere said that he went to Kenston High School. That was, that was common. I found that everywhere. So he had always showed, shown, showed, shown. I don't know. He was always interested in singing as a kid. Um, he was in the school choir and was, quote, an automatic choice for singing the solo at the Christmas concert. So we're gonna bring it down a little bit here. Uh, when Scott was 12 years old, he was raped by a high school student. He was then threatened into keeping quiet about it. And he later revealed this when he was in his mid-teens. Um, he said in his autobiography that he had repressed the memory for decades until it came back to him one day when he was in therapy. Again, like decades later, which sucks. People suck. I'm so sorry. That's just, that's just terrible. I feel like you're going to see a lot of parallels between Scott Weiland and Chester Bennington. Mm -hmm. Like they have that in common, but also like there's a couple other things that like gave me Chester vibes. So as a teenager, Scott moved back to California. Uh, I'm assuming he went with his mother and stepfather still, but he attended Edison High School in Huntington Beach. And he also eventually enrolled in Orange Coast College. I could not find what he went to college for. Couldn't find it. Couldn't figure out if he graduated. No idea. There's just a lot missing from his life. My watch just told me that I hit 10,000 steps because I've been wa waving my arms around like a crazy person because I talk with my hands. So it's not 10,000 steps, but I'll take it. So uh, college. Yeah, there's a lot missing from his life. I couldn't. There were a lot of little details that I could not find. But mm. So sorry, guys. Um, so this timeline that I'm about to get into is a little crazy and I can't exactly figure out when everything happened here. So if it seems jumbled, it's because it is. Here we go. So I found that he started his first band when he moved back to California, but there is literally no information on the name of said band. None. Couldn't find it anywhere. So this is where it is said that Scott began to uh, play gigs and all he wanted to do was party all the time. Um, I also saw that he was sent to rehab when his mom and stepdad found drugs in his room. So the drug addiction has began. Mm -hmm. Yet another correlation to, to Chester began very young. So then I read, quote, before he devoted himself full time to a career in music, he worked briefly as a paste up artist for a legal newspaper, the Los Angeles Daily Journal. So what I presume to have happened is that he went to college 
and worked for this newspaper while he was in college. And then he decided to become a full-time musician. Again, I don't fucking know if he graduated college. I don't know. I'm sorry. I tried. So for those who don't know, I didn't, what a paste-up artist is. A paste-up artist is someone who cuts the text for a newspaper into sections and then arranges it into columns. Hmm. So, like, they, they, like, take it from the printing press, like, in a big-ass chunk, and then they cut it and, like, organize it into the fancy columns that newspapers have, you know? But, um, this job doesn't exist anymore, you know, what with the, like, invention of com- computers and shit, you know? <laughs> so, whatever. Oh, yeah. Technology. (laughs) Fucking technology. God. Taking jobs away from everybody. Stealing our jobs. It can have mine. It can have mine. It probably will one day. Okay. Well, you just scared me. So there's (laughs) that. (laughs) Job security. Woohoo! I didn't fucking have that even when I was a teacher. So who cares? Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. So... While Scott was in college, he met Robert DeLeo at a Black Flag concert in Long Beach. So, um, you want to know their story? You want to know, like, how they became friends? Yeah. It's real interesting. Tell me. So, um, they were discussing their love interests, and they realized that they were dating the same girl. Tunnel buddies! (laughs) Ew. Ew, ew, ew. not the fact that they like slept with the same girl it's just the word phrase tunnel buddies grosses me out for some reason it's just a nasty phrase it's fine everything's fine it's fine so instead of like beating the shit out of each other which is the illogical but typical thing that men do god yeah they both dumped her and became friends about it at the same time yeah they. oh my god it was like it's like that that not gonna reference that. Never mind. What? I was gonna say it's like that R. Kelly and Usher song, but we don't like R. Kelly. But we don't like R. Kelly. But we like that, Usher. That same that same girl song, where they think that they're sleeping with the same girl. I don't really know that. I don't know. I don't think it was that popular, but I really enjoyed the song. But mm. at the end, it actually wasn't the same girl. It was just a twin. But it's oh, fine. that's it what is. should happen though. Like. Listen, like, guys and girls, if they find out that their significant other is cheating on them, they should both just fucking kick kick the person's butt. I mean, not literally. I mean, if, if that's what you're into, that's whatever. Kick but, their butt to the curb. Yes. Mm. And then just be friends about it. Because yeah. that's just going to piss them off even more. And what more do you want in life? Exactly. That's what I would want to do. It's like that episode of Friends where Joey and Ross end up dating the same girl, and then they one of them takes the girl out on a date because they're trying to see who could win them over, you know, win her over. You are so cute. I love you so much. Thanks. Aw, you too. Oh. I was talking to my dog. <laughs> Our new little recording buddy. Yeah. Wow. Who keeps staring out into the other room and making me very uncomfortable. It's making me uncomfortable because I keep seeing that window and I'm just waiting for like a face to appear or something. All right, we're going to shut the door. What were we talking about? Oh, oh, they dated the same girl. Yes. They were tunnel buddies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of beating the shit out of each other, they both dumped her and became friends about it. Right. So uh, these two, Scott and Robert DeLeo, along with two dudes named Corey... Hickok. I don't know if it's Highcock or Hickok. 
I don't know. And David Allen, A-L-L-I-N, would form the <laughs> band that would eventually be Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. However, Hickok and Allen were soon replaced by Dean DeLeo, Robert's younger brother, and Eric Kretz. 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 <laughs> so, sorry. We're weird today. It's fine. So, let's discuss... The evolution of the band's oh, name. Yes, yes, yes. So they did not start out as Stone Temple Pilots. They actually started out as Mighty Joe Young, you know, like like the Disney movie yeah. with the gorilla, uh-huh. you know. But that name would was already taken and it belonged to a blues musician. So they decided to call it Shirley Temple's Pussy. She was a child. Uh-huh. So um well, let it sink in a little. But I'm not going to say it again because I am very uncomfortable. So they obviously, like, weren't allowed to put that on anything and sell it because, um, ew. So they changed the name again, but they wanted to preserve the initials STP. So they became Stone Temple Pilots. All right. All right. That is a uh, a far cry from uh, the, the, the former name, which I will not say again because... So the band formed around 1986, but they did not release their first album until 1992. So in 1992, the debut album Core was released, and it ended up with four hits named Sex Type Thing, Wicked Garden, Creep, and Plush. And I don't think it's the same creep as, like, Radiohead. Like, I don't think it's the, I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. You know that one? Yeah. What <laughs> am I doing here? I don't belong here. Beautiful. <laughs> That's fine. That was so, a beautiful fade. Thanks. <laughs> I'm classically trained. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a classically trained singer. Can you tell? Okay. Oh, fuck. The whole album uh, wound up at number three on the Billboard 200 charts and went platinum eight times. So. Eight of them. Apparently it was a good album. I don't know that I actually know any of the songs. Sorry, not sorry. I don't don't even know who this band was. I know a couple songs, but not by name. (laughs) It's fine. Sorry. The band faced being compared to a band that they never expected to be, Pearl Jam. Yet another one on the um, grunge scene here. Wyland was actually concerned with being accused of trying to sound like Jim Morrison because he, like, spent a lot of time listening to The Doors and was like, man, when I put this album out, people are going to think that I'm trying to sound like Jim Morrison. But then they were like, you're trying to sound like Pearl Jam. And he was like, what? Nah. (laughs) What? Exact quote. So, (sighs) September 17th, 1994, Scott Wyland married Janina Castaneda. Janina is a very pretty name. It is. Um, also in 1994, STP's second album, Purple, was released. Um, this one elaborated on the band's identity and was a big success. So this album had three hits this time. They were titled Big Empty, Vaseline, remember that, and Interstate Love Song. It sold more than six million copies and got a lot of favorable reviews from music critics. In 1995, Scott left STP and formed an alternative rock band called the Magnificent Bastards. <laughs> With, uh, these are some interesting names. Here we go. Victor Indrizzo, Xander Schloss, Jeff Nolan, and Bob Thompson. 
So only two songs were recorded. They recorded one called Mockingbird Girl and a cover of John Lennon's How Do You Sleep. <clears throat> that was part of like a tribute album for John Lennon. So Wyland rejoined STP in 1995, but the band had to cancel their 1996-97 tour in support of their third album, which was called Tiny Music. Song from the Vatican gift shop. It's literally was tiny. Tiny music. Songs from the Vatican gift shop. They're literally an ellipses. So, like, there has to be the pause. There's no other option. There has to be the pause. <laughs> so, this album was less successful than the former two, um, only selling two million copies. Only. Since then, can you imagine if we sold two million copies of something? Of anything? No. There's no fucking way. I'd be like, y'all are fucking lying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you <laughs> fucking with me? You joking? That's not real. Anyways, uh, since then, since then, however, it has been deemed one of the mid '90s greatest releases because it reinvented the band's image. So at this time, Scott was really struggling with addiction, and he was charged with possession of cocaine and heroin after a California drug bust. But he was able to avoid jail time this time by agreeing to do rehab. This addiction with drugs, as well as his deep desire to get clean, was an, was the inspiration for a number of STP songs. Fast forward a little bit to March 31st, 1998, a mere five days before my birth, Scott Weiland released his first solo album titled 12 Bar Blues. This album was not a rock album, or a pop album. It was like a mishmash of a whole bunch of genres in which Scott was just sort of experimenting in. You know, he's just doing his own thing. So during Wyland's hiatus from STP, he, <laughs> the remaining members joined lead singer David Coots and Coot. produced, <laughs> produced a record under the band name Talk Show. STP regrouped again in 1999. This happens a lot. They break up and get back together. They're a very on and off again relationship. It's fine. Mm -hmm. um, and in 1999, they released their fourth... They released their fourth studio album titled Number Four. So this album contained the single Sour Girl, which was accompanied by a music video feature featuring Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> Love yeah, Buffy yeah, 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 the Vampire yeah. Slayer. <laughs> so this song was actually written about Scott's failing marriage to Janine Castaneda. Um, so they were only married for like six years. They got divorced. So it was also the only song from this album to hit the charts. So they are slowly getting <laughs> less and less successful. So on July 7th, 1999, Scott Weiland suffered a near fatal heroin overdose and since he was on probation, this served as his third probation violation and thus, due to California's three strikes law, called for mandatory prison time. Basically, three strikes, you're out. So you can, like... I didn't even know that was a thing. It is. I think most states have it, but... <clears throat> um, so it's basically, like, if you get caught with drugs one time, you're more likely to get a lenient punishment. So, like, probation and promise of taking going to rehab. Then the second time they're like, all right, like, that's a probation violation, bud. Like, chill. Mm -hmm. And then the third time they're like, mm, jail. Right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So on August 13th, an L.A. County judge sentenced Wyland, Wyland to a year in prison, but he only served about four months and was paroled on December 30th, 1999. Just in time for the turn of the century. 
Y2K, fuckers. Y2K. (laughs) So, in May of 2000, Scott married his second wife, Mary Forsberg, who was a model. And their son, Noah, was born in November of that year. And also in November of 2000, Scott was invited to perform on the VH1 show, VH1 Storytellers, where Wyland performed with the remaining members of The Doors. So that's pretty cool. He, like, really liked The Doors and then got to perform with everyone, minus Jim Morrison, because he was dead. But... Or uh-huh. <laughs> oh 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 you right oh that was a good one that was a good one I like you oh it's too much okay in June of two thousand one that was really fucking good June of two thousand one STP's fifth album which was titled Shangri La Di Da what it's literally called Shangri La Di Da Shangri La Di Da. So this album hit number nine on the Billboard charts and went gold in the U.S. and Canada. The band also toured with Linkin Park, Stained, and Static X in the Family Values tour. So bringing it down again, <clears throat> real quick. Uh, Trigger warning for domestic abuse. I'll give you a second to fast forward about 30 seconds if you need to. In November of 2001, Wyland was arrested at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Vegas on domestic violence charges. Wyland had been repeatedly pushing his wife, Mary, into a wall in their hotel room during an argument over a prescription medication. He spent 12 hours in jail posted his $3,000 bail, and performed a concert that night. What what a life to live. Mm-hmm. So, You're gone. So that's, that's actually, like, standard. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> you get arrested, you post bail, you go home to your trial. But here's the shitty thing. In December, he pleaded guilty to domestic battery charges. He was, he, he, he pleaded guilty. He said, yeah, I did it. I... Physically assaulted my wife. I did it. He was fined, sentenced to six months probation, and ordered to attend 26 counseling sessions with his wife. No, now, wait a minute. 26 counseling sessions with his wife. Mm-hmm. So that's like six months um, of counseling. Um, like one a week. Um, I wouldn't even have stayed. I'd be like, no, thank you. Um... He can have counseling for himself. I'm yes, but here. we're not victim blaming. We're not victim blaming because they did have two children. Nope, one child at this point. They had one, they had a son together at this point. I don't fucking, I don't know. I don't get it because uh, my mom had a child and that started happening right after said child was born and then it just got worse. Oh, Yeah. It's very typical. It's very typical for abusers so, to get I, worse during just, and after pregnancy. Because like when my mom had first child, my dad even went as far as that's not my child. Oh. Yeah. And so like I guess that's why I say that just simply because like you've seen it, you've yeah. been the outside. Yeah, and so like Do you see what I mean? Yeah, that sounds like someone dropped something. Okay, demons. It's here, me. Here, the listen. Boy. Here, listen to me, okay? You're freaking me out. You're scaring me. That's not cool. 
Okay? So please stop scaring me. Thanks. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. I think you got a champ. I'm scared. I'm not scared. I have to live here. I bought this house. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't fucking know. Anyway, back to victim. Not victim. So like, Sorry, yeah. How about we imprison abusive shitheads for longer than 12 hours and, like, give them more than a fucking slap on the wrist? How about we do that? Domestic violence should be more punishable than a fucking drug charge. Yeah. I said what I said. Sorry, not sorry. So, 2002 was not a good year for STP. They broke up, again, for the second time. Wyland and the DeLeo brothers got into it backstage and they couldn't move past it. So Scott joined a super group consisting of former Guns N' Roses members, as well, including Slash, as well as Wasted Youth's guitarist, Dave Kushner. Never heard of him. Kush Kush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this group's name was Velvet Revolver. Their debut album was called Contraband. And was extremely successful upon release in 2004. It debuted at number one on the Billboard charts. So let's backtrack a little bit, though. So that was 2004 that they released that album. But um, 2003, I almost said 2003, it's fine, was a rough year for Scott Weiland. And here's a quick rundown of the year's events. On May 17th, he was riding passenger in a car that was pulled over in Burbank for driving without headlights. There was drug paraphernalia in the vehicle. So Scott and the driver, who was a 29-year-old woman, were arrested and charged with cocaine and heroin possession. Scott pleaded innocent and said that he would do a rehab program to seek treatment. Also, can we just talk about the word pleaded? Because it sounds wrong. It should, like, I, every time I hear it, in a podcast, I'm like, it should be pled. Like, he pled guilty or pled innocent. But it's actually pleaded. English, man. I hate it. Doesn't make any sense. So, 2003. Here we go. October 27th, 2003. Scott's 36th birthday. Ooh. He was taken in by an L.A. police officer after his BMW struck a parked van. Happy 36th birthday. He was arrested for DUI and released on bail the next day. Again, maybe a little little harsher punishment might do him well. So, um, 2003 was rough for our little Scotty boy. Just a little rough. Well, after the release of Contraband, um, Scott Weiland kind of went radio silent. The next album that was released and featured him was in 2007. Velvet Revolver released their second album, Libertad. Libertad. It literally looks like liberty, but get rid of the Y and add an A-D. Might, might be Latin. I, I don't fucking know. Sure. Whatever. So Velvet Revolver went on tour with Alice in Chains that year to support their album. And Wylan ended up leaving the group in April of 2008 due to tension with the rest of the members. With him having left Velvet Revolver, Wyland made another solo album titled Happy. Oh, wait. Happy in galoshes. The album is titled Happy in Galoshes, but happy is in quotes. Yes. Same. Mm. So this album discussed a number of things, and you'll see why it's, why happy is in quotes, discussed a number of things that had been happening in Scott's personal life, 
including his separation from his second wife, the death of his brother Michael, and his mother's cancer diagnosis. Oof. So it's a little tough. He went radio silent and all this shit happened. So Wyland also reconnected with the bandmates he left behind from STP. They announced a 75-date tour, which that sounds like a lot. 75? Like, that seems like a lot of tours, of concerts. Like, damn. I don't know. Maybe it's typical and I, I just don't know because I'm not a traveling musician. I mean, yeah, I would say that they're, that's either probably the amount or if not even a little less because you got to think about it like almost all the artists, they travel to new places like every mm-hmm. day almost. That's more than one a week. Think yeah. about it for a whole year. But this... But like you got to also think about like sometimes like they'll have like concerts in the same state that that's are true. just couple hours away or even like at the same place so that's like two shows in one night or even back to back like well this tour kicked off on may 17th 2008 at rock on the range which you guys have heard me talk about a million times because it was the best and most amazing experience in my entire life and also the only music festival that i've ever attended so um but it ended in october of that year so from may to october that's five months 75 dates in five months. Woo! I'm good. I'm good. I'm all set there. Thanks, though. Uh, so, anyways, following their reunion, STP began working on their sixth studio album, which would be self-titled. Um, it was not released until May of 2010, and the band then toured Southeast Asia for the first time in 2011. They played in the Philippines, Singapore, and Indonesia. They would then go on to uh, play in Australia. Australia. Yes. Selling out shows in Sydney and Melbourne. Let me just... The Australians are going to hate you sorry. for that. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know it's it's Melbourne because it's it looks like Melbourne, but it's like it's pronounced but, Melbourne. But that's just how like, say it. Just like, like Edinburgh looks like Edinburgh, but it's Edinburgh. It's fine. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> In October of 2011, Wyland released his third studio so sorry. <laughs> Shit. I was doing so good. Just kidding. In October of 2011, Wyland released his third solo studio album of the Christmas variety cuz wow. Everybody else is dumping on the Christmas train, why not him too? So, the most wonderful time of the year, the album was called 2011 also brought about Wyland's autobiography called Not Dead and Not for Sale, a memoir, where he released the sexual assault that happened to him when he was 12. Oh. That's where this came out. So fast forward to February of 2013, Scott Wyland was uh, let go from STP. Apparently tensions were high again and the band was on the verge of another breakup. They had announced plans to celebrate the anniversary of their debut album, Core. It had been like 20 years. But those plans never came to fruition. They were taking on random, last-minute concert dates and always performed the same set. So it was like the same hits that they had been doing since their reunion. And some fans complained that the shows would begin hours late. Like... The show starts mm. at 7, but you get there and it doesn't actually start till 9, sometimes mm, 10 o'clock. No, like, thank you. I'm good. Punctuality is, is a must. 
You gotta be punctual. Because it stresses me out if you're not. It stresses me out. Also, can you imagine the anticipation? I'm not gonna lie. I would literally hate my life. I'd probably yeah. just leave. I probably would. And then just, I would... Like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's like... I'm a grandma, bro. Same. <laughs> like, I want to go home and go to bed. I will be too tired to even be at that concert at that point. <laughs> Nine o'clock would roll around and be like, all right, guys, move it. Taking the seats. <laughs> okay, but not only that, but like getting out of a concert, like out of the venue and then getting in your fucking car and trying to leave the parking lot mm-hmm. is like an hour long adventure in and of itself. So, like, if the show doesn't start till 9 o'clock, they usually do, like, an hour and a half, two-hour set. So, that puts mm-hmm. you at 11. That puts you at leaving the venue around midnight. Dude, I'm already fucking exhausted. Like, I need to sleep now. <laughs> I need now. to sleep five hours ago. What do you mean? <laughs> so, hi, we are uh, 24 years old. I'm basically 24 now. It's fine. Nobody likes you when you're 23 and I'm sick of it. So, uh, 24 years old. Well, I don't think 24 is better, Mueller, so get ready. Whatever. I hope 25 is better. (laughs) Doubt it. Probably not. (laughs) Uh, Some fans said that they would begin hours late and that there was palpable tension on the stage between the members. So, the band fired him, which began a nasty legal battle over the rights to the band's name. Scott was replaced, if you remember, by Chester Bennington for a moment, like two years, I think it was. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, June of 2013, Scott married his third wife, Jamie Watchtel. Watchtel. Watchel? I don't fucking know. Sorry. He also formed his own group called Scott Wyland and the Wildabouts. Wildabouts? Wildabouts? I don't fucking know. It looks like wild abouts, but one word. This group performed a bunch of shows and recorded one album, except I wrote and recorded on album, March 30th, 2015. One day before the release of their debut album, the guitarist Jeremy Brown died from an overdose. This hit the band pretty hard, and Erica looks like she knew that detail. She is looking at her phone as if I am calling her out. So in late April of 2015, Wyland and the Wildabouts were performing in Corpus Christi, Texas, when Wyland said, all right, this is a new song. We just worked it out today. And the group proceeded to play a very monotone version of Vaseline, which was, of course, not a new song. Rather, one that Scott had recorded and released with STP years prior. This led people to believe that he was back on drugs. He denied that rumor, but it would later prove to be true. Like right now. So on December 3rd, 2015, while on tour with the Wildabouts, Scott Weiland was found dead on his tour bus. The sketchy thing for me was that, like, some sources said, quote, he died in his sleep, and others said that he died of a drug overdose. But I'm sure that, I'm sure that Erica will clear that up for us, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Guess we'll find out. <laughs> so, Scott Weiland was 48 years old and left behind his wife, Jamie Wachtel, and two kids, Watch. Noah and Lily. Upon a search of the tour bus, police confirmed to have found cocaine, Xanax, 
buprenorphine. Bu Bupren. <laughs> buprenorphine. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Zipracidone. Don't. I don't even give a shit. Viagra and sleeping pills on the bus. Viagra. They also found two bags of cocaine and I quote, a bag of green leafy substance. <laughs> Must have been bay leaves. It did not say marijuana. It literally said a bag of green leafy substance. Bay leaves. Got it. Oregano. Oh, oregano. Potpourri. <laughs> I don't think potpourri is green. So no cause of death was initial, initially, initially given. Even though they found all of those drugs on the bus. But the medical examiner did eventually determine it to be an accidental overdose of cocaine, alcohol, and here we go. Methylene dioxyamethamine. Fuck, I fucked that up big time. Methylene dioxyamphetamine. MDA. <laughs> MDA. I just wanted to say the real word. To be a dick, because there's like 26 letters in it. So the medical examiner also noted in his, noted his, oh God, why did I do this to myself? Atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. I have never heard that word on Grey's Anatomy, so I don't fucking know how to say it. Sorry. <laughs> um, Grey's did teach me this. <laughs> Damn it. Um, there was the one word that Grey's did teach me, and I still fucked it up, so it's fine. All right. So that um, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, God, asthma, and history of substance abuse. Wyland's funeral was quiet. It was held at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery on December 11th. Members of STV, STV, STP and Velvet Revolver were in attendance. He was cremated. Sorry, I keep burping and I don't, okay. I don't know what my issue is. Sorry. And in true Caitlin fashion, I'm going to end by making you cry. So here is what STP wrote in response to Scott's passing. Quote, this was a Facebook post, I think. Dear Scott, let us start by saying thank you for sharing your life with us. Together, we crafted a legacy of music that has given so many people happiness and great memories. The memories are many and they run deep for us. We know amidst the good and the bad, you struggled time and time again. It's what made you who you were. You were gifted beyond words, Scott. Part of that gift was your curse. With deep sorrow for you and your family, we are sad to see you go. All of our love, love and respect, we will miss you, brother. Robert Eric Dean. Thanks, Han. This one didn't get me that much. I think it's the domestic abuse. <laughs> Sorry. I have, I have no sympathy for abusers. I can't help it. <laughs> Sorry, that was really, I got really dark. <laughs> Okay, I get us into scum conspiracies. Scum, 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 Let's do it. All right. Um, Hello, listeners. Are you there? <laughs> you better be because uh, ISIS did it. Good God, let me get my fucking tea here. <laughs> Tell me.
Tell me, bitch. All right, so uh, a man by the name of Pete Rice, who is in a band called Against Arthpede? Arthped? Something. Arthapod? Like, sure. How? What? How to spell it? A-P-A-R-T-H-E-I-D. Let me see it. What? Apartheid. 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 Against apartheid. Apartheid is like what they went through in South Africa, you know, with like Nelson Mandela and shit. Sure. Apartheid. 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 Okay. So Pete (laughs) Rice. So Pete Rice emailed this this band. Yep. He emailed a website called Metal Sucks. Um, He claims Scott was assassinated by ISIS. Saying Scott kind of egged them on. So apparently, yes. yes In ma'am. that moment, what American did not egg ISIS on? I mean, that's feature. I was only like probably 13. Nope, wait, stop. Math. Oh, 17 at the time. So like, I didn't egg them on, but I did like definitely call them shitheads and whatnot. You know, but like, I'm not dead. Sorry, didn't you? Be careful. Oh, ah, mm. <laughs> But um, apparently, I guess, Scott was in an interview, and he said, F ISIS, they can come find me, and I'll shoot them with my Glock. Okay. So, yeah, he was pretty out there. Um, I actually tried to find this interview. If he actually said it, if it was a thing, it is not out there anymore. It is gone. Yeah, they probably removed it real fucking quick. For sure. So, um, that's really, that's really the gist of it. Okay. Just ISIS did it. Because, uh, because he threatened them. So, like, but, like, okay. It's Logistically, just... how? You know what I mean? Because I guess, oh, whatever, they're fucking ISIS. They're capable of whatever the fuck they want to do. But it's, like... I mean, he... I can read you the, the email. There was more to the email, but it didn't really make much sense. It was kind of... Okay, that's how most conspiracies are, though. <laughs> they're but... very jumbled. <laughs> do you want me to read the email to you? Do you have it? Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's hear it. So the whole ass email says, I have a theory that Scott Weiland was actually assassinated by ISL, which I think he meant the ISIL, which is the Islamic- That was the other name that they were calling ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. In the days leading up to his death, he did an internet interview in which I quote, fuck ISIS, they can come find me. uh, If they do, I'll shoot them with my Glock. I believe an ISIL sleeper and surgeon made contact with Tommy Black. I have no idea who Tommy Black is. Let's find out. We do our research oh, here. <laughs> We're on a music scene. Apparently he's a bassist of some sort. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Tommy Black. That sounds really funny. It says the bassist arrested for cocaine possession. And, uh, oh, oh, oh. He was um, the bassist for um, the Wild Bouts. Oh, okay. And then he continues to say, um, Tommy was arrested for cocaine possession. They planted tainted blow on Tammy Black, knowing he would feed it to Scott. The reason Black was arrested wasn't for possession, but for a chemical compound and drug itself. It's known, oh, it's also a known fact that in Minnesota, there is a large number of jihadists. Who that's have, a racist term, so. Is it? Yeah, we don't, that's not our words. I've never heard of that word. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 a derogatory term. Beep. (laughs) It's okay. Just know that those aren't our words. She is literally reading from this this article. 
That is not our. That is not our word. Yes, please, not me. <laughs> I did no. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Poor Erica. I literally gasped so hard. I was like, "What?" It's okay. This? It's all right. Just know that those aren't our words, and we do not endorse derogatory phrases towards any religion or race or human being of any kind. Yes. Cool. Who have publicly called monopolists. Thank you. God. It's so hard for me to say that word. It's okay. What Caitlin said. The future of Disneyland. Wait. The future of Disneyland. Disneyland. (laughs) What is going on? What the fuck? Wait, is that legit? Yeah, that's what it says. The future of Disneyland. Okay, stop. Read the sentence again. It's also known as the Minnesota. There is a large number of blank who have publicly called monopolists the the future of Disneyland for ISIS. Minneapolis? That's probably what he meant. What does the word... Let me see it. Minneapolis, yeah. Never mind. Oh, yeah. My dyslexia. So they have... have I was looking at the... Oh, <laughs> it's okay. So they have called Minneapolis the future of the Disneyland future for of, ISIS. I don't get it. Future of Disneyland for ISIS. Has ISIS attacked Disneyland? I have no idea. I'm confused. Listeners, help. And then it literally says whatever you take away from that, it sounds frightening. It's just it the doesn't make a whole lot Disneyland, of sense to me. Like like they're gonna have a lot of fun in Minneapolis blowing the place up. That's sort of what it sounds like to me. Like, Minneapolis is going to be the Disneyland for ISIS. Does that make sense? Like, they're going to go and have fun in Minneapolis as if it were Disneyland. Gosh. Yeah, that's that's very disgusting. Okay, so, uh... Yes, so that. Okay, interesting. So they think that ISIS planted planted the illegal cocaine, or the cocaine that was laced... With Tommy Black, and then Tommy gave it to Scott. I forgot who we were talking about. Scott, and then Scott took it, and that's what killed him. So that was the line of thought there. Yes, basically. Got it. I'm caught up. Okay. I'm caught up. That makes... Okay. Keep going. Let's see what I think of the rest of them. All right. And so that's that's that conspiracy. Okay. All right. So this other one I found on Reddit. On Reddit. Here we fucking go. (laughs) Um, so this person that posted this is basically breaking down his friend's conspiracy. So his friend laid this on him and he's like, all right, but I got to tell more people. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so the conspiracy so, was, that was, funny. <laughs> was Scott was going downhill, downhill, having, yeah, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're doing great. <laughs> Um, the conspiracy was Scott was going downhill after having his former lead guitarist, Jeremy Brown, killed to achieve fame. Killed? He was killed? Saying, (gasps) saying Scott had, had Jeremy killed. Oh, fuck. (gasps) Scott had Jeremy killed so that Scott could achieve fame? Oh, that's some (laughs) Suge Knight shit right there. Oh, he goes to mention how Scott is a player and basically on top of the world and obviously drugs and how alcohol got the best of him. Mm-hmm. He was be- booted from the band. Mm-hmm. Some years. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lover scorned. Mm-hmm. Some, some years, some, no, some months, right? No, or some years. 
did he get clean and then come back to the band? Was it some years or some months? Uh, nothing was ever clear. All right. He just, like, was in and out of rehab constantly. They never, like, gave any time frame of when he was I'll just clean. say sometime. Sometime later, he got clean and came back out of the spotlight. Now enter Scott in the Wildabouts. Yes. All right. They wrote some songs. I hyped it up. An album is about to be out. But a few weeks before the album was going to be, re- be released, nobody cared, I guess. Seems like a lot of people were just still talk- like looking at Scott as if he was a druggie and nobody was really excited that he was like out and about right. creating music. Um, the release date was getting closer and closer and the numbers stayed the same. Like, nobody really pre-ordered the album, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. and if they did, it didn't really go up in, like, some days. And, um, they said Scott then was forced to make a dark move. Their words, not mine. He was, you know, had to make that dark move. And, uh, a week until the album drops, Scott decided to set his plan. And his plan happened the day before the album dropped. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Brown was found dead at the age of 34. But here, all right, and my little my little things. Okay. It reported that he had no drug problems. Jeremy didn't. Mm-mm. What? Yeah. Okay. And I even looked it up when you said that. That's what I was looking up, and I didn't even see anything about drugs. It said no nothing about what his cause of death was. I looked at different multiple websites when you were talking about that. So listen. Yes. If you're gonna try and murder. Someone mm-hmm. whom you are presumably close to. Yes. And they don't have a drug addiction. Don't fucking use drugs to kill them. That's stupid. That is stupid. And oh my God. Yeah. Whew, okay. They re- whoever this person was really thought about this. And also claimed that there is no fame. Like, Jeremy had no fame for someone to, like, corrupt him. You know, like, how other celebrities, like, there's usually someone right. to get them. Yeah. People said that, there, you know, he wasn't really famous enough for someone to be after him. Right. So that's what this guy said. They were just starting. Like, Scott Weiland pretty much adopted them, and Scott was the most famous of them. Like, right. literally, when I just Googled Tommy Black, who was the fucking bassist, it, like... I literally had to search Tommy Black bassist and it still came up with like a soccer player. A so like player. they literally like clearly weren't that famous. But what sells an album better than a band whose lead guitarist just passed away? Yeah, no shit. The day before the album mm-hmm. fucking drops. Mm-hmm. Oh, so ever over the next couple months, everyone still appeared to hate Scott and he had terrible performances, did rants and interviews, and he was starting to relapse. And so that is why this said person thought that Scott murdered, did did the murders. I mean, it doesn't not make sense, you know? You know. Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just, he, if, and, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a drug issue, so then how did people not, like, fucking question? I'm questioning his Jeremy's actual cause of death now. Yeah, no shit. He had some wild thoughts to be thinking about that. No shit. I wish my brain could go there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, once someone, like, initiates a conspiracy in my brain, then my brain can go other places. But I can't just, like, pull them out of thin air. I have to have, like, a jumping-off point. You know? Sometimes I wish I didn't. 
Sometimes I have really stupid conspiracies. Hey, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid conspiracy. No, I actually love all conspiracies. Except for that one that neither of us could understand about Dimebag Daryl. Hey, did you know there's a Juice World um, documentary on... HBO Max? Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought about watching it last night, but then I started playing Minecraft. I didn't watch it yet. I want to watch it. You should. I guess a lot of people... Yeah... I guess, uh, I don't know if it's true, but I think a lot of people are upset because a lot of people, I guess, were, like, questioning, like, why nobody, like, helped him. Because, I guess, in the juice. Yeah, like, I guess in this documentary, he's, like, very, um, like, out there with his drug, prop, like, use. Oh, he is in it. Yeah. I thought it was, like, like a third-person view. I did I mean, not it know could... he was in it. Oh! I mean, mm. It That's... could be, it could be, a, like, old recordings of, like, just about his life right. and shit, but, like, in these, like, you know, these recordings that they had, they, he was very open, like, about his drug use, like, yeah. you know, he was using, obviously, and everyone was kind of like, he's crying for help. Yeah. Like. Why did no one help him? I was listening to him today, and I was like, shit, yeah. Why did nobody help him? Like. It's very sad. Very sad. All his songs are basically about, like, popping pills and just taking one drug after the other, and. Like, black and white, like, he's, like, Juice even came out and was, like, like, he used to hang out with friends and then pretend, remember, he was pretending to be sober and then go out and hang out with other friends. All right, he had a a black and white song, that's what it was called, black and white, and he was talking about how he he would hang out with his black friends and do cocaine and then hang out with his white friends and do codeine, and I'm like, bro, wow, chill, I was like, that was real. He said it in his song. Um, also, one more thing that I want to discuss really quickly. Also, when I was scrolling through, I don't remember if it was Hulu or HBO or maybe Netflix. I think it was Hulu, though. Because Hulu is pretty guilty of doing this. There is already a, a documentary about Gabby Petito. Um, and I know that there have been times when Hulu has made documentaries about... A murder victim without permission from the family. Such as, um, I can't think of the, there's one, like, murder victim case where the sister of the victim posted on TikTok, like, please do not watch this documentary. I saw that. I can't think of the victim's name, and I'm so sorry. I tried. (laughs) I tried to figure it out because, like, I just wanted her to say it so I knew what it was that she was talking about. Dead asleep. That is the documentary, Dead Asleep. Dead they asleep. do not have the family's permission to have that documentary. And it sucks because the documentary looks really good. But, like, I'm not going to fucking support that. If the victim's family doesn't want it out there, I'm not going to support it. Sorry, right. not sorry. But, like, did Gabby Petito's family okay this? Like, can I watch it? And also, I don't know. I didn't even you know, know that I mean? there was there. Yeah. I don't know. And also, wasn't there one that came out after Astroworld, like, immediately after Astroworld? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Maybe? Maybe I'm wrong. But I know the Dead Asleep is the one that's like, don't watch it. If you did watch it and you didn't know that it's, like, the family didn't okay it, that's fine. You didn't know, you weren't informed. But, like, I will not be watching it. Because it's not cool. Wow, we... Went on a, an adventure there. Mm-hmm. We need to circle back to Scott Weiland really quickly because we didn't discuss which conspiracy we feel is true. Yes. Which do you feel? Okay, well, uh, do you think that Playfully, Scott, which one? Do you think that Scott Weiland killed Jeremy Brown? 
It's believable almost. I can see it because Scott Weiland was a little crazy. He was chaotic. Just like a little. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he felt guilty and then relapsed. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yes. So then the other side of that, do you think that ISIS killed Scott No. Me neither. No. <laughs> Super not. <laughs> Super not. <laughs> I do think that he, that Scott Weiland's death was an overdose. I think that he did die by overdose. But I could see him killing Jeremy Brown. Like, I can see that. Especially if he just wanted, like, more fame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted... He, like, pulled a Shook Knight and was like, oh, that was very cute. That's what she does when she gets comfortable. I hope all of the listeners got to hear that. <laughs> but he pulled a Scott Wy- or God damn it. He pulled a Scott, Scott Weiland pulled, pulled a Scott, Scott Weiland. Weiland. <laughs> Scott Weiland pulled a Shook Knight and was like, oh, shit, all of these people had posthumous albums and, like, whatever were really fucking big. And so he was like. I'ma just yeet this guy in and into non-existence and then we're gonna be big and famous. Even though Scott Weiland was already big and famous. It's fine. It's fine. But no, ISIS had nothing to do with it. No. Don't come for us. Don't come for us. Maybe it's... Never mind, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I was gonna say... Maybe it's ISIS that's fucking with me and keeps making the thumps in my house, but... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I actually feel, like, a lot better since asking my demons to stop scaring me. I do. Like, I feel, like, like a little bit of inner peace. I guess that's how it's supposed to work. Okay. That's all we got. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fucking 2022. Here we go. <sighs> it's my Alexa telling me. <laughs> oh, god damn. <laughs> Woo! I have to go. Yeah. All right. Um... <laughs> Bye. Goodbye forever. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Music Scene. Our cover art and our music and editing is done by Caitlin Anderson. Check out our website at murderonthemusicscene.com and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Murder on the Music Scene. If you have suggestions or comments, email us at murderonthemusicscene at gmail.com. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you would like to support us, you can become a patron on Patreon. Just search Murder on the Music Scene or use the link on our website. Make sure to join us next time for another conspiracy-filled episode of Murder on the Music Scene.